One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Michael Chakraborty, and I'm Mark Watson, and welcome back to Menkind, where we chat to a range of brilliant guests about masculinity. Some of them are men, some of them aren't men, and some of them aren't particularly bothered either way. We are interested in men. Yes, obviously you are. And what makes them tick? Where does masculinity come from? How does it affect us? And how could we be better? We might not get a final answer, but we'll have a bloody good go at it. Won't we, Michael? Oh, we'll do our best. Well, hello, good morning. Although maybe it's not morning, because I may not be listening to this in the morning. And actually, as we discussed last week, time doesn't exist. It's a good way to start. Uh, hello, I'm Michael. Mark's over there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, as if to make Michael's point, I am sitting here looking at the um, the lights of Melbourne by night. So, yeah, two different time zones, once again, adding fuel to the fire of Michael's theory that time is nonsense and ought to be reset universally across the globe. Yeah, a good thing to learn um, as you approach your 29th birthday, I think. But how are you, Mark? Are you well? You've got your whole 30s campaign on this, uh, <laughs> what's become your major hill to die on, Michael. Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you, Michael. It's been a sort of um, slightly troublesome week, as um, some people who follow me on Twitter will know, but I am still here. The, the, the bottom line is I am um, not just in an apartment in Melbourne, but stuck in it because of COVID. But other than that, I'm sort of fine and... Um, Yes, looking forward to presenting another episode to people, as you say, who might be listening from a, a variety of other time zones. That's the thing. It's not just here in Australia and the UK. Everywhere's got different times. Do you know that? Yeah, well, it's, it's quite a confusing and overwhelming concept, really. I'm entirely overwhelmed by it. Actually, that could be quite nice. People could email us and tell us where they're from. That would be nice to know. We'd like that. We always like hearing that. We've acquired a couple of new, well, they may not be new listeners, but certainly new patrons this week. So um, hello to Philip and Jacqueline. And this is probably a good moment to say that we are about to upload some actual stuff to Patreon Yes, as well. we are indeed. We are on the cusp, as it were, of doing so. We're about to cross the cusp of doing so. But lest we get confused and bogged down in all the other bits and bobs, who have we got today, Mark? Well, I'm on the cusp of announcing that now, Michael. <laughs> and this person goes by more than one moniker. Lewis Cipher is one of them. But the name that they actually asked to be referred to by in the podcast is... LJ. Yes, lovely LJ. They are a brilliant, or just a brilliant person, really. They are a drag king, they are an actor, and they do lots of other bits and bobs. I actually ran into them at the theatre last week, which was quite a strange strange coincidence. But um, they're a really brilliant conversation, and they're somebody we think you'll really enjoy. So without further ado, let's, as we established, listen to them from the past. As you say, it's time for LJ. Hi there, I'm Mark Watson. I continue to be Michael. 
Chakraverti, Oz Avazani. And uh, we're here with, well, we're very much here with our guest, actually. We are recording in um, the most cramped circumstances that we've ever done it, I think. Is that fair? A bit like a phone booth, really. We're all kind of on each other's laps, which is quite erotic, really, I suppose. <laughs> well, a lot of things seem erotic to you, Michael, but you're right. There is a certain, this is a, a sexier recording than we're normally used to doing. In fact, we've done quite a bit of it on Zoom, as regular listeners will know. Zoom can be sexy, too. Yes, but there's a little bit more of a sense of physical proximity here. True, yes. And as I say, immediately to my left, almost touching, is uh, our guest, Louis Cypher. Hi, Louis. Hello, you're right. So Louis also is called LJ Parkinson, is that right? Yeah, I also have a surname. You do. Louis Cypher, Lucy Parkinson. Where does Louis Cypher come from? Louis Cypher is my drag name because I am a professional drag king. And what else do you do? I'm an actor... I am just generally pretty queer and pretty weird. That's sort of like my lifestyle. You come to London, that's actually a job, isn't it, now? And that's the LinkedIn bio, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, top of line. (laughs) Pretty queer and pretty weird is sort of what we look for in guests, isn't it, really? Yeah. (laughs) Those those are more or less the hashtags that we search. And Louis Cypher, you've spelled with lots of capitals all over the Mm. place. Is that Mm. just like a stylistic thing? I was going to ask about this in a nerdy sort of way. The mixture of upper and lowercase in your name, is, or in your (laughs) stage name at least, is the sort of thing that geeks like me and Michael are immediately drawn to. Well, like looking back to my MySpace days. You think I've gone weird with the font. Well, with Mankind, we've gone for all lowercase because Mm. I'm a gay man and that's sort of how we communicate. Mm. Uh, Is that true? I mean, I I just do all the lowercase stuff because you set that bar and that's a house style, but I didn't know it was a, a specifically gay thing. Well, I don't know. I just assumed it was, but most of the gays I follow on Twitter are all lowercase. I really? Think. Not into your capitals, you guys. No, and I always get confused about the personal pronoun I because I don't know whether to capitalise it or not. It's mm. very stressful. I feel like yeah. you should know. Well, I normally do, but I often find ways of wording things without the I in them just so I don't mm. have to deal with the problem. God, that's a, even for you, that's a long-winded <laughs> solution to the problem. Just to, to remove yourself <laughs> from the discourse rather than ask yourself a simple grammatical question. Exactly. Anyway, back to your so, grammatical okay, choices. Okay. My grammatical choices. So basically, I go by LJ now, but my name beforehand was Lucy Jane, so you can like as a non-binary person why I'd want to get rid of that name but Mm. when I was choosing my drag name Lucy means Lucifer like it's a translation from that so I wanted to take this idea of like the devil and so if you look at the name itself Louis Cypher it says Lucy is Louis Cypher so the capital letters Spell oh. Lucy through it. Blimey, yes. Very yeah. clever. Through the cipher. Yeah. Through the cipher. Exactly, blimey. exactly, <laughs> That's yes. a sophisticated name, isn't it, when you draw down into it? I'm going to have to look at every capital letter in again in like more detail. Yeah. To work it's out funny how much you don't see if you don't know it's there. But That's so. great. So when did drag kinging start for you? Um, When I was doing my master's degree. I was like, I have no idea what's going on with my gender. And it was like, it was before they had like any kind of conversation about it, mm. let alone like any words for it so I thought well the best way to try and work it out is in a show because like art's supposed to be the reflection of the world you live in no? mm-hmm. yeah thought, I'm all trying like, to work out problems via shows rather than actually yeah, just addressing put on a them in life show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I made this character and he was like an investigative journalist trying to work out who he was going to take to hell all the gays or all the straights <laughs> <laughs> who did he choose yeah. <laughs> no spoilers well we're not in the afterlife <laughs> together Michael that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs> yeah and then I let it go and then I started doing like other bits and bobs working as a bouncer in gay bars and all the bars I was working in they had loads of drag on so it was like Black Cab RVT but they had no drag kings and I was like I could do this they're just singing karaoke Mm. so then I heard about this competition and I thought oh it's a good way to get yourself out there entered it won it and that was like that was Drag Idol right? yeah Drag Idol that was back in 2014 they'd never like had a king win so it was like huge it like burst me up I did like a tour over the UK then started working in theatre 
did a show called Joan, which toured like all the world, man. Mm. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a wild ride. About Joan of Arc. Yeah. And sort of reconfiguring them as non-binary. Was, or yeah, was it, it was. Or, yeah, yeah, we did it like as a one-person drag king play. Brilliant. So I played like all the men and Joan, but she was a northerner who was like <laughs> navigating queerness. Conveniently for you. Just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> talk about typecats. <laughs> was there... um. As the first drag king to win it, was there any sort of resistance to that or suspicion or were people quite open to it? Because we've touched on the fact that to someone like me from the outside, drag, you imagine it being just one thing and then the more you dig into it, the more intricacies and dynamics and politics there are. What were people like with you? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I had a lot of support. Like, my first time putting makeup on, it was a drag queen called Frankie Fantastique. And then there was, like, the other side where it was, like, more manager, production, those kind of gatekeepers who pushed back more. On the night of the competition, I was told by another judge that one of the judges in the room, who was consequently going to have to be my manager for the year because that was part of the prize, mm. when they were saying who they wanted to win, this judge was like, I can't have them work for me. What the fuck am I supposed to do with them? Yeah. Mm. Not then, exactly like, what you want from your future manager. Congratulations, yeah. you've won nothing. Anyway. Yeah, you've won me. Um, <laughs> Looking forward and, to working together. Yeah, it was great. It was an absolute car crash. But like part of that prize, you know, we were supposed to go to Grand Canary Pride and perform on the main stage. And they sent the person that went second place God. without even like talking to me and sent them. That was a huge mistake because I don't know if you've ever seen me on stage, but I am an absolute riot. So <laughs> yeah. she really ruined that for herself. <laughs> but there was a lot of people that didn't want to put me in the booking or like I'd go to the venue and I'd say, oh, I'm the cabaret tonight. And they'd do this whole like, well, you, you look like a lesbian. So why are you in here? Right. Why aren't you at the pool table? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where we would expect to find lesbians. Yes. Pools on Tuesdays. Go away. They'd be like really off with me and then I'd do the show and then they'd be like, oh my God, you're amazing. Stay with us. Come back again. And then they'd like book me again. Seeing a lot of that. It's so strange, isn't it? Because all cabaret and Dragon, all of it is a celebration of strangeness and queerness and wisdom. Yeah. It's weird that you think that whatever someone looked like, if they turned up saying, I'm in the act, you wouldn't say no. <laughs> yeah. So where's that resistance? Yeah, yeah. Where, where, what is it about? Yeah, I think some of it is misogyny. They just expect the same thing. Yeah. Like, once you find a formula that works, you just keep regurgitating that formula. And I find mm. that in a lot of venues up and down the country and mm. across the world. They don't like to step outside because they think they know what their audiences like, but audiences will like whatever is in front of them that they enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. You really need to give them opportunity and you need to change things up. And that's yeah. what we're seeing now, things like... You slowly. Know, <laughs> slowly, gosh. Yeah, 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 so slow. But yeah, it is shifting. It is shifting. Yeah, I, mean, I think it happens with comedy clubs as well, that, that people, you know, the same people get put together again for exactly the same reason, mm. this perception that, like, well, people here prefer... And that is also shifting. It's just more surprising in the kind of world you inhabit because, yeah, you think if there's anywhere where a diversity of approach should be encouraged. It's that that feels like that's the whole point of it, really. Change is scary, though, isn't it? Even, Especially when yeah. money comes into it. Yeah. A yeah, lot of, of people like their bonuses. Yeah. yeah. Let, we'll definitely come back to the drag stuff later on because I think there's a lot to kind of dive into mm -hmm. there. But um, we always ask the same first question, which is about your first brush with masculinity. Mm. What do you remember that looking like? I brush with masculinity in a way of, like, my experience of it. or like, like, When you first remember it kind of... Being a thing, yeah. being something you could identify. Look at mm. us finishing each other's sentences. That's lovely. Oh, my God, you guys are so We're cute. We're so cute. Maybe you will come to hell together. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the plus one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the guest list. And my first brush with masculinity, wow. You know, I grew up, like, majority of single parents. I think my first brush was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. The, that's the first time that's been brought up as the first brush with it. That's yeah, interesting. Tim Curry. Was yeah. it? Right. Yeah, I thought it was iconic. I thought it was marvellous. And he was so um, 
I found him very masculine because, like, to put clothes on like that and still occupy so much power, mm. for me, I was like, oh, yes. And then I was so obsessed with that show for it. And that was the power that you kind of saw as the masculine side, not the suspenders. <laughs> like, no, I, it was, yeah, it was like the, that sexual confidence, that sort of taking power, mm. that kind of, like, nefarious, evil little dude in a way, but it's just like, some misunderstood thing. I guess I still think that about masculinity now. Really? Yeah, it appears to be one thing, but actually, you know, it's certain types of masculinity, not all masculinity. It wants to appear like this big threatening thing that's going to take you to another planet, but actually it's just someone that's probably a little bit lonely. Yeah. In a toxic way, in a toxic sense. <laughs> and I mean. that's the end of the podcast. I would say, uh, yeah, that pretty much rounds off our conversations about masculinity. <laughs> that's one of the most succinct explanations of the entire situation. <laughs> yeah. It's a very specific first conception of masculinity to have. And it's interesting to think how that might have shaped your entire relationship with the idea of gender and stuff. Yeah, because he was wearing a certain costume, but I knew that that's supposed to be a man. And even in a young age, I knew men weren't conventionally supposed to look like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the first time I sort of went, you know, yeah. like my brain kind of like... Yeah, you saw maleness being subverted yeah. almost as you were starting to understand what it even was. Yeah, definitely. So how did that kind of impact on your relationship with masculinity then kind of moving forward, growing up in a... You mentioned a bit of kind of gender confusion when you were mm -hmm. younger. How did that relationship with masculinity kind of grow and shift? I feel like that probably put like a seed in me of that idea of like subverting something mm. and to whatever degree as if your gender and your identity are like some sort of superpower for you to mine cool and i think yeah, that's a great way of looking yeah, at it. yeah, yeah. i always really enjoyed uh sports physical activity getting dirty i remember being at school oh, and dirty. girls wanted to make birds nests and we were going to kick them like <laughs> i don't want to be sitting there doing intricate designs in cut grass you know i wanted to be like all right let's go make a cry like, <laughs> <laughs> to give an idea of the temperamental differences on both sides of me here michael shuddered at the word dirty coming out of your mouth there. He, he literally full body cringe yeah. i famously dislike beaches because sand is dirty Oh, <laughs> it's true. We had a difficult time on the beach with Michael, going for not even lying on the beach, just literally walking across the beach, and the guy would barely set foot on the sand. It was something yeah. we didn't know about you until. I don't like sand gets everywhere, mm. and I can't clean it. I just can't deal with that. <laughs> but this was after Michael having talked quite a bit about how he loved where he lived because it was near the coast. Now. I love looking at yeah. it. As soon as we got anywhere near the coast, the guy was fucking appalled by it. <laughs> I love to look at the beach. Is that every beach? Or... It's uh, all beaches, yes. Wow. Hashtag not all beaches. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting because this is almost the inverse of a lot of guests, isn't it? We've had guest after guest talk about hating sport and yes. physical stuff and all of that kind of thing and perhaps some of their confusion about gender coming from feeling as if they were being shoehorned into something which they weren't keen to do. But the opposite for you, you're the other way around. You were thinking, I want to get into these supposedly masculine. And how did that pursuits? go down with, yeah. with people around you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I remember always attempts to correct me. Like oh, yeah. the way I walked, was like the like things I liked. fellow kids or was that adults or was that both? And my mum would always say stop walking like a man. I was like nine, ten years old going to junior school and right. be like, I have no idea what she means by that. And then I started to assume that she meant confidently. Yeah, isn't it interesting? Yeah, this is, this yeah, is not yeah, the first yeah. time someone's talked about being told off for walking in a gendered way. Uh, we it was had, about toes out, toes in. Yeah, but again, stuff that you're never conscious of. And mm. it, that's a good example of norms which are fed to you, which you couldn't possibly have conjured that in your own brain. Well, that's a really like, good way of talking about it in terms of confidence. It was about walking with confidence yeah yeah did you always have that 
I must have. For me, it was just a walk. Yeah. But like, well, yeah. you know, like I'm quite short stack. Like, I look like I've been in a can crusher. So like, <laughs> my legs and arms are like the same length. So I guess I'm always going to swing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was always going to happen. Yeah, you take the, just taking the space. Yeah, it's I a... think that's what it was. I was like taking up space and doing it with confidence. And I think my mum worried about me sticking out. Right. Like when I came out, she was worried about that because she was worried about how other people would react and being around other friends and stuff. I think... At a young age, it doesn't matter. They want you yeah. in. They pick you on their team first. You're the underdog because the rest of the boys think that you're zero threat. And actually, you've got double to prove. <laughs> yeah. As someone who's born a woman, you want to show the lads you're just as good as they are, if not better. And when you're amongst a group of guys, I'm thinking like the guys I used to grow up with and play sports with, they're very embracing of that attitude, you know? You don't want to just like be over there doing like, you know, different things and not like engaging and laughing away. You want to be like, yeah, lads, 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 lads. <laughs> and that yeah. stuff was very much like that in Rotherham. So you felt included when you were in the sports environment? Yeah, totally. Because that's where I could excel, you know? And mm. a lot of the school that we went to was a sports college in my secondary school and you know it was about being really good at sports so the better you were it, as long as you were good mm. that's what mattered so what's really interesting I guess in my mind is thinking about how you clearly must have felt really included and confident in that group of traditionally quite a competitive and quote-unquote masculine environment then if you move into the queer communities did you feel that same acceptance for those traits no, it's very different because it's as if butch is a dirty word sometimes. Mm. I mean, that's changing now as cultures clash a bit more in queer spaces. I think butchness is a lot more at the front. But um, just with the way that we're cultured, it's as if to think, you know, if you're going to be a lesbian, you've got to be like a really beautiful lesbian. Right. Because if you're not a beautiful lesbian, then you're a butch lesbian. And butch lesbians don't want to be women, but are never going to be men. Right. So is he sort of in this like there's no there's space. no space for you. Yeah. 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 There's no space for you. There's no representation for you. You are the ick of gender identity. <laughs> you know? to, to use a phrase that Michael reaches for all the time, like, oh. certainly off air. King of the ick. That's yeah. me. Yeah. You don't yeah. actually describe yourself as a lesbian specifically, do no, you? No. Or... No. No. I feel like anytime you put a label on, I immediately want to, it gives me a rash. I want to take it off. You get the ick. Yeah, I get the ick, babe. Mm. <laughs> a label to you is like sand to my foot. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I will fuck whoever is sexy. That's good philosophy, I think. I, you know, we'll take it in turns. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's my identity now. Like, if you're sexy, then let's have a chat. But like, you know, that comes yeah, in all That feels like a simple workable rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really fascinating to me that there's this kind of dichotomy within the lesbian community between this kind of beautiful in inverted commas again, and butch. Where's that come from? I think? think it's a lot to do with mainstream representation and acceptance and that idea, the heteronormative gaze mm. of like how things should appear to be. Mm. And it's as if if you can still manage to make heterosexual men titillated by your sexuality, then it's allowed. Mm. Then it fly under the radar and question because they can still sexualize you, they can still objectify you, so you'll pass through. Whereas if you're too like, you know, tanks going down the street like shaved heads looking really strong that can come across threatening because people don't know how to interpret they don't know how to paste labels onto you right but it's so weird isn't it because um why would you be trying to titillate men or why would that in any way be expected <laughs> well, exactly. I, I know this is an obvious exactly. point to make but it's very strange that the male gaze thinks it has a right to place any expectations on 
the appearance of lesbians when the whole thing about being a lesbian is sort of opting out of that arena, you might think. Well, exactly, Again, yeah. It's sort of saying, if you don't fancy me, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm kind of cool with that as a lesbian. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. But like what mainstream teaches us is it, it, there has to be an element of that because otherwise it doesn't get put in, you know, whenever mm. they made like films or scenes or stuff like that. I never really feel like they give a fair representation of what a queer female couple actually is. Mm-hmm, they're yeah. always like of a certain body type. You know, look at Kristen Stewart. There are queer people like them that exist. But where are my people with a waistline? Where are my people in their super dry? Where, where are <laughs> they? You know, where yeah. are they? Yeah. yeah. Not much super dry and oranges and new black though. You know? Yeah, <laughs> imagine a little jumpsuit. Yeah, to be fair, not many brands at all in their clothes. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's true, really fascinating true. though about how it, it seems sort of like they're defined against masculinity, right? It's what relationship do you have to masculinity and that makes you safe or unsafe or a bit kind of makes people unsure I suppose Mm. where did your identity as a non-binary person sort of come and fit into that area I think I've always like flipped in between ever since I've had that you walk like a man I'm like what Right. Why is that in your head when someone says that to you? You're like, is that because I am one? And, I'm not, and then I don't you forget know. how to walk because you can't work yeah, out. Yeah, and to... then you're so aware yeah. of how you walk. And yeah. then, you know, but... someone in the street asks you if you're a man or a woman, and they do that a couple of times. And all of a sudden, you start to like walk heavy chest and then mm. yeah. head down. And... It's mm. like when the doctor says, breathe normally. And you're like, oh, yeah, what, you're like... <laughs> 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 I don't know what that is. I've never breathed normally in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always just had these decisions and choices that I want to make. Like, mum, I want a night take shaved into the back of my head mum I want to not wear a dress to a christening mum I want to like just rock trainers like all days long these decisions made sense to me to want short hair and these kind of clothes but I never really went into them like because they're assigned to what an idea of masculinity is or it's what men wear I was like they make me sing and feel good inside. Yeah, like, it's pretty simple. You just wanted what you wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's so much pushback from it. Did you get the Nike tick in your head? I did, yes. Yes, yeah, I did. Nice. So that's one label you were yes, aware of. Yes. Corporate <laughs> advertising, I can do. Gender <laughs> identity, no. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So Louis Cypher, going back to Louis then, those ideas of masculinity seem to feed into Louis because he's mm. a kind of a mixture of that boisterous lads, 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 lads. But then he has this kind of weird 
delicateness mm. to him? Like, how did he create that kind of persona, I suppose? Yeah, I just took myself and, like, put it under a magnifying glass. Right. Mm. And just really, like, you know, you put the mask there, but you just sort of make who you already are the stage version. So you just make it, like, you know, 60% bigger. Yeah. And I, for a long time, was frightened of men, had, like, issues with men, didn't spend much time with them. And then when I started doing drag... I was in the male gay scene a lot and I really had my eyes opened. Mm. I'd made a huge mistake, you know, and I can understand like why a lot of women are like, screw men, but they probably need to do something to the effect of what I did and get back into it. And so like Louis' character changed from being really heavy feathered and very mysterious and super sexy and that's like the angle I was going for to then flawed. Mm. Like, I wanted him to have... Society would see him as flawed, but actually he was just being a bloke. Mm -hmm. You know, he can be really confident, very bullshit, but then be like, I am mum, it's me. Yeah, no, could I have uh, smiley faces for tea, please? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. just, like, undercut him all the time. Yeah. It's interesting. Not many drag acts we've spoken to have sort of dug down into the psychology of their persona that much, I don't think. Mm. Or at least we haven't talked about it. Like, the character evolving and stuff like that is quite... It's, it seems like it's quite... a a complex relationship between you and the character. Yeah. Not just something you do on stage, but no, something he has you do to, the work for. He has to come with me, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, and, and we grow. You're not the same as you were a few years ago. You're definitely different. Mm. So, like, the extension of you that you use as an alter ego, that has to shift as well. Yeah. Mm. What's the reaction been like from straight men? <laughs> they love it. Do they? They love it. They love it. Everyone loves it. If they just <laughs> give it a couple of sambukas. Everyone's on board, babe. Get anyone drunk, they're generally fine with yeah. most things. <laughs> yeah. It's a sort of principle of being a performer, I think. Yeah. yeah. What I was really interested in is we talked to Victoria Scon previously about the queer scene and the drag scene sometimes not being as inclusive. We spoke about that a little bit earlier mm. on as well. There's been huge mainstream success with things like Drag Race, which has been great for bringing drag queens forward, but often at the expense of drag kings. Mm. What do you think can be done to kind of grow that scene more and it's not even growing the scene it's showing the scene I suppose what can be done there I think you've said it there I think it's about showing the scene rather than having us competing for a very finite view mm -hmm. of what one person's brand requires a queer performer to look like and maybe just showcasing them on a larger platform mm. you know I really loved when there was like stars in their eyes and stuff like that and, yeah. or there was like old shows where talented people would come on and the whole show was like showcasing talent so I don't know why we can't just have something like that rather than this bitchy fight to the death that sort of just yeah stars in their eyes which I've never thought of as... but you're right it was essentially dry wasn't it it was people Pretending yeah. to be someone else. Yeah, yeah, I heard yeah. someone shaved their head. A young person shaved their head to be was Sinead, Sinead O'Connor. And yeah. like it was the biggest deal that we everyone was talking about it at school. Like, yeah. can you imagine? But you're right, there was a sort of gentleness to it and a sort of celebration of the diversity of people's approaches and stuff, wasn't there? There was no and maybe it is quite a modern thing, this uh the bitchiness, the enforced competition. Mm -hmm. and, and, but it does feel like quite antithetical to what drag in particular is meant to be like. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because, you know, all people that do drag, they have their own way in. There's a process that they go through. But there's also this exchange that they have with the audience and these acts that they create. Sometimes they're very politically charged. Mm. I don't know if Rue and Michelle would be into that. Yeah, Plus, yeah. That's so, they don't even sing or anything really. Like It's really like popping candy version of... of it's come of from pageantry, hasn't it? It hasn't come Defo. from where British... Yeah. Yeah. It's America's is. Next Top Model, isn't it? But for drag, Yeah, so. it's surprising to see how little actual singing there is on it mm. or, or performing other than one very specific type of performing, which is more parading. Cabaret's gone, Could you yeah. imagine if I got paid to just get in drag, walk down an aisle and then turn back and go and get paid for that? It'd be great. Yeah, just <laughs> jump into 
the air and do a split, so it is 150 quid. <laughs> I remember seeing you in Death Drop in the mm. West End, which was a full drag show, which was incredible. It was brilliant. Was it Rich? Rich Whiteman. Rich Whiteman, yeah. who you played. Brilliant. But it's seeing things <laughs> on a stupid name, written by Holly Stars, which who we love. Yes, yeah. I am. Um, you guys watch that. <laughs> what was really fascinating on social media was that people just weren't tagging the kings. No. Who were just as big a part, if not a bigger part, really? as some of the queens. Yeah. It's maybe a super question, but why do you think that is? I think people like to look like there's less than two degrees separation between them and the idea of fame. Right, yeah, you know? yeah. That whole Andy Warhol thing about everyone will have their five minutes of fame and the way social media is, you know, this nature of going and having a meet and greet and paying to have a photo taken. What? <laughs> What's going on? Hang on, hang on. How does that in some way yeah, enrich your yeah. life, like that you paint for... They're doing 500 photos at once. like. So I think it's just about being like, I've been around this famous person, therefore mm. I'm more validated. Mm. I mean, I may be wrong, but like, it certainly looks that facetious on the outside. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, hang on a minute, mate. I busted my balls in that show and was quite good. Yes. Like, I'd say like at least a seven out of yeah, ten, if not least, a nine. Yeah, yeah at least a seven. Yeah. <laughs> I get the thing about wanting to feel like you're part of the fame, but it's weird to tag some people and not others, isn't it? Well, yeah, it felt really... I was quite frustrated by it, and mm. I imagine you were as well, more mm. than me on the outside, but mm. it was... One of the first stark, to my shame, one of the first stark examples of me saying, oh, right, we're not celebrating all of the queer artists here. Mm. We're just choosing ones that have had perhaps more mainstream success, whatever that means. Mm. Yeah, I feel like as kings, we expect it, you know. Yeah. We're not surprised when that happens. But until we break through the barrier that's, like, holding us back, which is productions not tokenizing kings and not just putting one or two on or choosing mm. one because they're a person of colour or... Because yeah. we see that. We know what's going on. And also the kings clubbing together as well and not licking their wounds and being like, oh, I haven't been invited to this and I haven't been putting this article and I haven't been here and I haven't been there. We have to just keep powering through every time, you know? We yeah. spoke to Vincent way back on the first season of this, who's a brilliant singer from America, a singer-songwriter, but he said something about, I'm going to completely murder the quote about, like, if you don't like the glass ceiling, just build a new house. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, something, yeah. something like that. Something along those lines. Are there new houses being built? Absolutely. Yeah. I think there is a lot of people waiting, like, you know, in Toy Story, yeah. like the aliens, like, waiting for the claw. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, just kick it down. Like, there's enough of us yeah. just to be able to kick that down. Grab onto the claw yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. like, stop looking outside. Those people that are upset that they're not being invited to these things and seeing that and getting frustrated about not being tagged, that person that doesn't tag you in that photo doesn't really give a flying F whether you're happy or not. You can say fuck if you'd like. They don't give a fuck if you're happy <laughs> or not. There you right? go. Go they don't give a fuck if you're happy or not. You need to just shave off your energy and not put it there. Put it into like collaborating with someone else, you know? Cool, you're yeah. Just, you're just draining your own energy by... Totally. And you run out over. of steam. So many kings run out of steam. I see it all the time. They want to stop. They want to stop. And it's because they're waiting for other people to tell them that they're valid and that there's a place mm. for them at the table when they just need to like elbow in and be like, hey, I've been rehearsing 40 hours this week for a show that lasts five minutes. This is an absolute class act that I'm about to put yeah. before you. Again, bring your own table. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah like really that guy cool. on Facebook that goes to all the takeaways with his own chair and table. Yeah, yeah, be that, <laughs> be that guy. guy. <laughs> that guy's not thinking, oh, I don't get invited. He just yeah, goes. Exactly. Well. He never has to worry about a reservation. You know? <laughs> we also, another one of the questions we ask a lot of the time is about <laughs> role models and specifically male role models. You mentioned Tim Curry already. Mm-hmm. Were there other professional or personal role models that you had when you were younger that were men? Yeah, for sure. Robin Williams. Yes. The first one that came to my head. Robin Williams and Jim Carrey. Yeah, I thought they were absolute firehouses of talent. Both funny men as well. 
both funny and the way that they are represented in the media, it's not like, oh, who are they sleeping with? It's mm. like, these guys are a household name. They're beloved by all, mm. old and new. You grow with them. And the films that they make are non-threatening. You know, they're never, yeah. apart from one hour photo, that really freaked me out. <laughs> that was yeah. really well, what's, what, The mask is fairly yeah, creepy yeah. as well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I look back at them now, I'm like, well, this is probably mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a sort of self-mockery and ridiculousness about what both of them did, wasn't yeah. there? Compared with a lot of more sort of uh, high-status comic yeah. stars. Mm. Yeah, which is where I really aligned, you know? Mm, it was like mm. never too serious, but also just serious enough to have a place and be a star. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What about personally? Do you have any male hmm. role models? No, not really. Mm. No, I lived in a very, very, very female-focused mm. world. I think that was a real shame, actually. I think that was a real shame that I didn't get that opportunity because I think that mm. contributed to me locking men out of my inner heart, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, if you've not seen a like a worthwhile example. Or trust them. I don't know if you've ever up. been to the North. I don't know if you've ever met Northern men in groups of over two. <laughs> don't yeah. you worry, I've met groups of Northern men, all right, yeah. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and a lot of them are just arseholes, aren't they? <laughs> well, I can are... say that because I'm from there. It's I know toxic, what you mean. Like... Yeah, and in particular groups of men. Like, even as a straight man, I'm regularly unnerved by the energy mm. of groups of men, not just Northern men, dare I say mm. it. And, yeah, I can well imagine how, if that's your first... And it is almost everyone's first contact with men socially, isn't it? Mm. Is that sort of mob mentality. Yeah, I can very easily see how, if you've not got one close at hand that you can put under a microscope a little bit like with Lewis Cypher and mm, say, oh, mm. it's a bit more complicated than this, mm. then you're never going to have that opportunity. And yeah, it's not the first time someone said, I didn't really have a, a male role model. No, woman, yeah. It? What about uh, now? Now I have too many male role models to even count. And a lot of them are queer men and, yeah, uh, and young men. Yeah, I have a new role model who I met recently on a project and we just, like, clicked I don't know what it is now. I really make strong bonds with men quite quickly now. Right. Because I'm not frightened of them, dare I say it. And I was. And I was taught that I was supposed to be frightened of them. But yeah, now, all men in general, I think they're all... We're all great. (laughs) Well, mate, some of you are also still... still (laughs) All the Northern contingent, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You just have to get below about Birmingham. Yeah, can you imagine if one day I go for Prime Minister and they play this? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sad the North. I love this this kind of confidence you have and this comfort, I suppose, this comfortable confidence in who you are. You spoke about having gender confusion and then coming out as non-binary and going, ah, this fits. Can you talk a bit about that experience? We've got quite a lot of envy listeners and I think it would be really helpful. Yeah, I just stopped trying to make my mind up because it was causing me so much stress and pain that I was supposed to decide that mm, like yeah. there was a fix to all of these worries and all of this ill-fitting within society and all of this rejection from strangers that I was feeling in public and a way to fix that would just be like, LJ, just flip your gender. And mm. then they'll think you're a bloke. And then they won't have to look at you and go, is that a man or a woman? Because you'll be on tea. You'll have grown a beard. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt about it. Mm. But then as I got into it more and more, I could never go all the way over to 100% decision. And so I never made one. Mm. Right. And so I sort of slid like up and down, up and down, and sometimes felt very powerful and sometimes felt very confident and strong and then sometimes very camp and fragile. And I was like, hang on a second. Okay, I'm all of this stuff. Yeah. And that's the thing is that the the gender and identity, it's all like, it's bollocks really because (laughs) everybody has the ability to have masculine and feminine traits and Mm. we shouldn't have at any point tried to put bowling alley 
blockers on. Oh, they're helpful for, I mean, for bowling specifics. And for people. Oh, yeah, that's true. For like, yeah. I'll just copy the status quo that works no, for me. That's good true. for them. Yeah. Like, I envy them. I'm like, if you don't think about your gender identity all day, what do you actually think about? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sport and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Death. Death. <laughs> but you're right, it does seem uh, like an awful lot of anguish when you could just decide to opt out of the whole game and it yeah. doesn't affect anyone else. And I was doing it for everyone else. I was I was going to potentially go through this massive change, pull up the roots of my entire life and potentially ruin my family relationships. Just to make other people more comfortable. Just to, yeah, just uh, to slide yeah. into acceptable in the streets. Mm. You can't do that, man. You've got to listen to yourself and even if you're doing something really scary, like saying sod the rules you just have to take a big deep breath before you jump forward with it and do it patiently so if you've got loads of mb listeners just plod on man just plod on and zone uh, in and keep yeah. people around you that work for you Amazing. i think we do we hear from listeners don't we who are you know not as far on in the process that you've talked about and it does come up quite a lot this feeling that of just not knowing which side to come down on a feeling i think a lot of people find themselves drawn to the idea of just not having to make decisions for the exact reason you say which mm-hmm. is that all that really matters is how you see yourself and feel, isn't it? Yeah, because what it is at the end of the day, it's just like, which part do you play if you plan to procreate? Yeah. That's it. The rest of it is all like mixed up in like when you're born, your nature, nurture, all of that. But yeah. that is the core of it. And why should you have to like, why should you have to decide, man? Why should <laughs> I mean, your whole some... life be wired around that decision? Yeah. yeah, for some people it really works and they're very happy transitioning and good for them. I want to make really clear that this is just like a me thing here. Yeah, for sure. And that, like, if a decision is causing you so much pain and ill mental health, have you thought about just not making the decision? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's it's actually quite inspirational thinking about it in terms of any perspective, whether you're a straight person, a gay man, a gay woman, an envy person, a trans person. Like, it's about finding the ways that make you feel comfortable inside yourself and resolving those conflicts rather than kind of thinking about, oh, what will this person think of me and what will mm. that person look at me like? Mm, and mm. Yeah. Lovely. It's really brilliant. It is. Getting away from the thought, what will this person think of me or is one of the key things to make yourself <laughs> happy in life. We talk about that view it enviously <laughs> from the other side of the divide. That really blew my head open when I was at university and there was like this article that they gave us by this person called Bakhtin and it was all about the self and the other mm. and it was about someone else's opinion of you is none of your business. Yes, I've heard mm. that before. And I, that, I was yeah. just like, whoa, hang on. Yes, I like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> More please. It's like... worth being reminded of that. Final question that we ask is about three qualities that you would build into someone to make them thrive in this world. And considering you've got it all sorted, LJ, it'll be Clearly, quite a quick, I mean, uh... look at me. I'm so, so... <laughs> I'm about as sorted as my haircut. <laughs> you can't see that, but it needs sorting. Um, three qualities. Uh, critical reflection. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's a very good one. Uh, self-sufficiency. Right. Do you mean like growing carrots or do you mean... Probably more emotional and intellectual <laughs> rather than just... Carrots uh, too. Carrots are great. Carrots too. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's surprising if it went for agricultural yeah, if you could grow self-sufficiency. Carrots, that's yeah. really important. <laughs> the main thing in life is to reflect and grow as much veg as you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, it is a useful thing to go do. Um, and sort of like that balls to the wind attitude of like, it's okay if we make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we stand over the precipice going, oh, I can't see that. I, I better not jump, even though you might want to jump into this new experience. I would say, like, say yes more. 
Just yeah, say yes, Ma. Yeah, deal with the consequences afterwards rather than fear and the consequences. Yeah, yeah that's Don't great. Those are really good well, ones. That's a lovely actually. place to, to finish. Thank you very much, Algie. That was really that was really gorgeous. I'm gonna listen back to that as a motivational speech every morning. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> In the shower. It's lucky the chat went well given that we're so close. Very yeah, close. Yeah, no, the, right? the atmosphere had gone sour, there'd be very little hiding away from <laughs> it. Could have been quite cool. Uh, so where can people find you on socials and everywhere? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mux Lewis Cypher, spelled C Y F E R. I'm going to be all over the place, basically. I'm Mentally a... and physically. Yeah, <laughs> seeding carrots. <laughs> look out for those capital letters, eh? Yeah, have yeah. a look. <laughs> and will any kind of performances and things like that be thrown on socials so people can find it from there? So yeah, I'll... yeah, put everything up on there. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, cool. Well, thank you very much. I've just noticed, actually, I've taken all of my notes in lowercase. Yeah. Apart from Tim Except, Curry, which also capitalised, that wasn't me. Yeah, I thought as much. Um, there we go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fair <laughs> yeah. 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 Thank you very much. Thank you very thank much, Thank you very Jose. much, folks. Cheers. Welcome back, listeners. That was LJ, interviewed by me, Mark Watson, and Michael Chakraverti, and as ever, produced and edited by the brilliant Coop, who um, is the COVID victim we paid tribute to throughout this episode. Yes, forever in our thoughts. Our beloved Coop is the, the latest to fall victim to the plague. Um, so she is currently... Still alive, actually. So Sorry, yes. <laughs> remains in our thoughts, but also in the world, just to clarify this. <laughs> But she's currently housed in the bedroom currently, isn't she, for the next five, six days? She is inaccessible to anybody else in the world, yes. I was going to say, the LJ episode, a bit of trivia, is we actually did that in the studio, didn't we? We sat all in a line. We did. It was like a, it was like a telephone booth almost. It was very small. We were kind of on each other's knees, stacked on top of each other. But um, it was the first episode we recorded back after the the break wasn't it that's right and one of very few in recent times that have been physically yeah all three people in the in the same place enjoyed it actually let's hope there aren't too many more pandemics yes indeed and they were a brilliant guest i'm I'm sure you'll agree so do go and follow them online and talking of following people online are you following us online Um, and if you are lovely thank you and if you're not why not but if not i incomprehensible you wouldn't be yes uh, you can easily rectify that by going to well it's always at Mankind Podcast basically isn't it across the different uh, formats it is indeed and if you would like to email us do tell us where you're listening from that would be a great thing to learn um, you can email us at mankindpodcast at gmail.com we keep it quite consistent don't we yes you can also do that on, on Twitter or however you like Recently, while I've been over here in Australia I've, I've done quite a lot of chatting back and forth with North American followers because the, the time zones overlap um, advantageously and I must say Really good for the ego to hear from people in different parts of the world. So, uh, yep, you know, Michael and I love a bit of um, kind of ego bolstering. So, yep, tell us. Tell us where you are. And more ways to bolster our egos would, of course, be to uh, like and to leave a review on your respective podcast app. I don't actually know what apps there are. I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, but I believe we're on Spotify and, and Acast and other things. Yeah, I don't even listen to it on an app. I listen to it before it's released, obviously. So <laughs> I, I'm not a typical Mankind listener. <laughs> you kind of listen to it while it happens, some would say. I'm in it, and then I listen to it <laughs> sort of during the edit, and then I listen to it. So actually, I, I, I suppose I probably am subscribed, but I'll check. I'll definitely leave us a good review anyway, and you should do the same, Michael. Maybe we should review ourselves. That should be something we should have done by now. It's time. Yeah. It's time. <laughs> um, so what are you doing with the rest of your week? Well, I'm hoping to return to the stage quite soon, but again, it does depend on how I have to basically swerve the virus long enough to be uh, permitted to return, and then another five shows followed by a couple in Sydney. And uh, what about you, Michael? Well, I'm going to Little Mix's farewell tour on um, on Saturday night, which I'm... I could, well, I could have guessed that. By the time this this goes out, actually, people will have heard um, how, how it's gone on all of my social media, because I'll be in mourning. I'm 
prepared to ascend to the highest heavens, but then also to crash to the lowest pits of hell because it's the last time we'll see them live. So, um, oh, I feel quite emotional. A beautiful tribute. (laughs) (laughs) This is how emotional you were when the breakup was uh, announced as well, I remember. And it's good to see that um, time has not mellowed your stance. There's going to be a chance that there'll be, um, this was just a kind of, this is a hiatus and there'll be future little mix yeah but they said that about One Direction was going on a break and look how that turned out and then there's the infamous Ross and Rachel break that didn't really work out it's true breaks I feel like I'm not going to get to see them for five to ten years now which is it's just heartbreaking isn't it Mark yes it is Michael and all I can all I can encourage (laughs) you to do is absolutely live and breathe taste every second of what will be a magical night. I am in the front row in Newcastle, so that'll be lovely. And then I'm off to the Lake District for a week, so next time I talk to you, it'll be from the Lake District, so that'll be nice. You're going to need that after the <laughs> emotions that you'll feel at the gig. Just take time to decompress. Yeah, I will do. You can debrief me and our listeners next week. <laughs> we will do. Well, I, wherever you are, whatever you're listening, however you're listening, whatever you're doing, have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next time. Yes, we will. Bye. 